0: Hey guys, welcome to the One Life Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today and we hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. Enjoy the message. Who of us has grown up through childhood with a hero? Did someone have a hero? Anyone? Yeah, people, people are willing to say, yeah, I had a hero. I had someone that I, I looked up to. Who's, who's still living with a childhood hero? Anyone? Anyone willing to yeah, just? There's a few people still living with a, a childhood hero. You know, there's this whole fascination about someone that comes and saves the day, someone that has more power, more strength, more authority than other people, and we see this all throughout. You know, a lot of movie plot, plots that we see. You know, it's good versus evil, where good always triumphs over evil. Amen. I wonder where they get that from. I mean, you can't change the best the best story that's ever been told can you you know well if I'm to admit something this morning my childhood hero was Superman but not just you know not just Superman Christopher Reeve I mean he's the OG Superman he, he surpasses all other Superman and and Superman and w- what I would say is that there was this one time where I was about five years old when my parents actually got me a little Superman outfit with a cape and we used, to, we used to live in Engadine, a suburb of Sydney, and it was quite hilly. And uh, our front yard was terraced. And I can remember having that cape on and seeing the big S on my chest and thinking, I've got this. <laughs> I, have, I have so got this. And I can remember, you know, getting on top of that terrace. Was, look, I mean, it was probably only about a foot high. Um, you know, it, was, it wasn't very high at all. But I can remember thinking, I've got this. And go to launch off, and gravity, of course, brings you back to reality again. Um, You know, why I didn't manage to master control flight, I was lucky to walk away with no injuries. Um, But, you know, I came across an article this week because some kids aren't so lucky. And uh, I came across a a, uh, paper that has been written by a a medical group um, titled Superhero Related Injuries in Pediatrics, a case study. The article states, although children have always displayed behaviour seemingly unwise to the adult eye, yeah, the advent of superhero models can give unrealistic expectations to the child which may lead to serious injury. The children we have uh the children we saw have all had to contemplate on their way to hospital that day uh, that they do not in fact possess superpowers. A six, six-year-old boy was brought into the emergency department by ambulance after, being, after falling from a first-floor window. It, this was an unwitnessed fall. He was wearing a Spider-Man outfit complete with anatomically correct upper bottle muscle, muscle padding. It was not known if he had lost consciousness. Uh, at the time of the fall, he had no amnesia and gave a clear history that he had been playing at being Spider-Man and climbed out of the window himself. Uh, He was discharged the next day, and on his discharge, he was noted to be playing a James Bond computer game. You know, this whole fascination with uh, needing a hero or or pursuing a larger-than-life character. Uh, It's not just limited to our movie screens. Who knows, back in January 1984, Bonnie Tyler, she was holding out for hero. Do you remember Bonnie Tyler? This was the lyric of the song. There's Bonnie. Where have all the good men gone? Where are all the gods? Where's the streetwise Hercules to fight the rising odds? Isn't there a white knight upon a fiery steed? Late at night, I toss and turn and I dream of what I need. I need a hero. Come on, you know you want to sing it. I'm holding out for a hero to the end of the night. He's got to be strong. He's got to be fast and he's got to be fresh from the fight. I need a hero. I'm holding out for a hero to the morning light. He's got to be sure and it's got to be soon and he's got to be larger than life. Larger than life. This whole thought of being larger than life, this fascination of needing a larger than life hero. Do you know we need a larger than life hero to set things right? The reality is we need we need a savior, we need someone to set things right, not just in our life, but in this world as well, because the Bible tells us, whether we're willing to admit it, acknowledge it, or not, that there is a score that needs to be settled. And in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. See, none of us can get through this life without having sin affect us in some way. Whether we like it or not, our lives come with a complimentary subscription to original sin, and there's nothing that you or I can do to personally cancel that subscription. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. And if we know anything about the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, the original sin caused that sin to come on to every single person that followed thereafter. You know, I often find original sins a bit like the pen people. No matter when the last time was that you actually purchased the pen off them, they just keep on sending those darn pens with your name on it. Anyone else have that? We have people that send us pens all the time. Don't know when the last time was we ordered pens often, but they just keep on saying. It's a bit like original sin. It just keeps on hanging around. It keeps coming back to remind you that it's still there. However, on the back of this same sin nature that we all inherit, it's, it's amazing what lengths people will go to in this world. You know what, what lengths people are prepared to go to in this world to, to cover up, to cover up some shortcoming in their own life. Adam and Eve did it in the garden, just like Adam and Eve. You know, people seek to preserve their own status or attain their standing in society or to maintain the respect of their friends and peers, all in an effort to make themselves feel better about themselves. There's so much that people do in this world in an effort to try to make themselves feel better about themselves. You know, pit one friend against another, that never happens, does it? Say something about someone else behind their back just because, you know, you want to, Make yourself feel a little bit better. That I'm not like them. I'm, I'm, I'm better than they are. You know, companies create more offers. Politicians make more promises of things to come. More wanting to please the masses. More deflecting attention away from one's own moral failings while happily drawing anybody's attention to somebody else's moral failings and to bring them into question. Does any of that sound familiar at all? I think it would sound familiar to you. And you know what? Here's the amazing thing. It was no different in Jesus' day. When Jesus was on this earth, people sought to, the elite of the day sought to squash Jesus. Jesus was having too much influence. Jesus was creating, uh, you know, an uproar wherever he went. There were signs, wonders, and miracles happening. He was talking about forgiving sins. Who has the right to to say that they can forgive sins? Who is this guy that says he can can forgive sins? See, the religious elite of Jesus' day, they should have been representing the side of good, not evil. Instead, out of pride and selfish ambition, they saw Jesus as a threat to their little kingdom. And the influence that they held, and they unwittingly pitted themselves on the side of evil. You know, these people in Jesus' day, they wanted to have the limelight. They wanted to have the influence with, with society. They wanted to be able to control people. Instead of being a, a representation of good, they instead became a reputation, a representation of bad. And in, John, in John's gospel, chapter 11 and verse 48 to 52, it says, if we let him go on like this, this is what they were saying, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away our place and our nation. Boo-hoo that, 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 that Rome could come and take away their place. You know, listen to their hearts here. But get this, but one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. Nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but also to gather into one, the children of God who were scattered abroad. I think this is amazing that here you can have a guy that was that was hell-bent on seeing Jesus destroyed, and and he should have been representing good, but God, as as high priest, allowed him to prophesy that Jesus was going to die for everybody, to bring us to a place of being restored to our God again. You see, in an effort to remain on top the religious elite went on to offer a bribe and they said, you know, conspired amongst themselves. How are we going to get rid of this guy? We can't do it during Passover because that will cause too much of an uproar. We can't do it at this time. We've got to, we've got to choose our time. You know, maybe, maybe we can offer a bribe and, and, and we can entice someone to lead us to Jesus to a place where, where we can capture him. And so off the back of that bribe, in an effort to remain ahead of the game, Judas Iscariot chooses to accept that bribe. And he conspires with the religious elite and he leads them to Jesus in the garden. But get this, there was something else going on just before that, when the disciples were meeting and uh, Jesus had broke bread and he said, this is my body, you know, take and eat of it. Do this in remembrance of me. He's talking about his blood and he was talking about, you know, the, the sacrifice that was about to happen. And after that conversation, we read there in the Gospels that the disciples started to discuss amongst themselves Who's gonna be the greatest in his kingdom? You know, vying for the top spot. You know, Jesus has just gave him this amazing speech about his body, and we don't we don't really understand what he's talking about, the blood and the body, and 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 but but who's gonna be the greatest? You know, their mind was still thinking earthly who could get the top spot next to Jesus. So the disciples question who will be the greatest in the kingdom, but in this story there can only ever be room for one hero. And we know that that hero is Jesus. But here's the thing, Jesus was unlike any other king or ruler that had ever come before. See, if you look at history, when a king would come, the king would come and he would overthrow whatever kingdom was in place. There would be war, there would be bloodshed, there would be, there would be an army being formed, there would be people that, that would be conscripted for the battle, and, and, and they would go into battle array, and they would take on whatever those powers to be were in that day. There would be, there would be conflict, there would be an overthrowing of whatever you saw was in place at the time. But see, Jesus, Jesus didn't come that way. He came humbly. He came riding on a donkey. And if you know anything about someone that comes on a donkey, they come humbly and they come in peace, came to die. People didn't understand in Jesus' day that their greatest threat wasn't Rome. See, sometimes we can be a little bit like the people back in Jesus' day too. We can see the government or, you know, a politician or a political party or, or, or some figure on this earth as being they're the one. They're, they're, they're in opposition. And, and whilst they might be in opposition it's to the kingdom of heaven, that's not the main thing that Jesus came to overthrow. Jesus came to overthrow death because that was the one thing that nobody could ever overthrow but Jesus. He came to overthrow death itself, that you and I and every other person that puts their faith in Jesus Christ doesn't have to go to an eternity where there's just nothing you know people have been interviewed about what do you think comes like, comes after death and it's just oh well there's just nothing and I, I really pity people that think there's just nothing because the bible has a different account of what comes after death and if you're a believer in jesus christ you can go to the grave knowing confidently that one day you are going to be resurrected into a new person that you're not going to remain in the grave jesus said unless a grain of wheat goes into the ground and dies it can't bring forward a harvest. And our lives are going to be transformed. Our lives are going to be changed because of what Jesus has done for us through his death and his resurrection. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 17 to 19, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will be in triumph over sin sin. And death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, but because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Isn't that good news? I'm so pleased that Jesus chose to obey his Father in heaven. I'm so pleased that, that Jesus took my place, that the punishment that was due to my life, that He bore on that cross for me, that that day that, that I appear before my Father in heaven, and, 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 and the Bible says that we're going to give an account for our lives. And Jesus can step in there and He goes, no, 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 Dad, I've got this. I, I died for this one. I, I paid the price for this one. What a glorious day that'll be for each one of us when we can come confidently into that place of standing before our Father. You see, we can either accept Jesus as our rescuer and embrace his death as the way to new life, or else we can reject Jesus and continue in the folly of being our own self-help saviors. There's a lot of self-help saviors out there. You know, you can save yourself. Actually, if you actually go onto Google and just do a search about, you know, self-help and, and, and saving yourself, you'll see so many quotes out there about, you are your own saviour. Yeah? How can you save yourself when you're drowning? Uh, how can you save yourself when you're dead? I, I, don't, I don't know how that works. It, it, sounds, it sounds good when you just as a throwaway comment, but in reality, we need a saviour we need someone who's larger than life we need someone who conquered death and is walking now alive for us we live in hope that jesus is going to come back for his church and jesus is going to come back for you and me billy graham said this he said jesus christ is the greatest man in the history of the world and to me he's the greatest person in the history of mankind and the universe we can't prove it i can't put it in a test tube or in an anatomical formula, but by faith, I believe it, because the Bible teaches it. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's what we celebrate when we think about the death of Jesus. We don't just think about a tomb. We don't think about a Savior that, that died on a cross, but we think about the one that purchased life for you and for me. It's a time not just to mourn, it's a time to be happy, it's a time to rejoice that a price has been paid. That that you and I can have confidence that we are accepted by our loving Father. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 55 to 57. This is my last scripture. And this is from the voice translation. It says, Hey Death, what happened to your big win? Hey Death, what happened to your sting? Sin came into this world. And death's sting followed. Then sin took aim at the law and gained power over those who follow the law. Thank God then for our Lord Jesus, the anointed, the liberating King who brought us victory over the grave. See, in this life, no matter what lengths or heights man may go to in his endeavors to be great, Jesus is always going to be greater. Jesus has gone to the, the, the utmost lengths that anyone could ever go and it will never be surpassed. His one act that he has done for us. I did just say that that was going to be my last scripture, but I told a fib. This is going to be my last scripture, I can promise. John 3:16 to 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. I not about you, but I am so glad that my life is going to be saved through him. And what do we see here about Jesus and the way to actually be right with him? It says, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him. Are you a person today that believes in Jesus? Because that's the call to action that the Word of God brings to our life. That's the call that the Spirit of God working in people's hearts all over this world brings to people's minds today. Am I a person that believes in Jesus? See, by believing, faith comes through believing. And the Bible says that it's only by faith that we can be saved through grace. And God has this amazing offer for each and every single person on this planet, this world. What are we, at? something like 8 billion people on this planet at the moment. And God's offer is that if you believe in my son, and if you accept what he's done for you, that that he died for your sin and that, that he rose from the grave, you believe in your heart that he rose from the grave again, it says, you'll have new life. You'll be a person that effectively is born again. And so I want to just finish today quickly by, by, by having a prayer. And uh, if you're in this place today and you don't know Jesus and you want to recommit your life to Jesus or commit your life to Jesus for the first time, then I want to encourage you to pray a prayer with me. You can just repeat this after me and then we're going to pray another prayer. So dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for the price that you paid. I thank you that you died on a cross and I believe that you rose again. Thank you for taking my place. Jesus, I believe in you. I ask you to come into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And we're going to pray. Father, we just want to thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, that we have this opportunity to reflect on what you have done for us. We thank you that you paid the ultimate price by coming to this world and, and giving your own life as a sacrifice, God incarnate, that you came and that you sent your Son that we might be able to have a restored relationship with you again that that there would be no more condemnation over our lives but lord we walk in your grace thank you jesus that that you you made a new covenant you made a new contract you made a new deal with mankind by your blood that you shed you tore down the veil that once separated us from having communion with the father again so jesus we want to thank you for doing all that you did, even in the darkness of that grave, we thank you that you were still at work conquering sin and conquering death for us. We thank you that we can live with hope that your word says that you're coming again for us one day. And Lord, we just thank you for that hope which resides in each one of us that believes in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen.